Welcome to the lounge. I like that. He's Paris. I'm Sean. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. Paris, what do we have in store for everybody? Well, I don't know if you guys saw it. Literally just happened. So we need to talk about it. But Jose Batista yeah, might I, not we, know how to spell his name right now. <laughs> He's not doing any bat flips <laughs> yeah. anytime soon. I'm going to say that. Yeah, if you didn't catch it... um, Jose Batista, let me just set it up before we'll, we'll play you the audio. But Jose Batista um, was hit by a pitch, took his base, you know, normal routine kind of thing. Well, hang on. Now, I, I do want to throw this in there because it's not like we can just just go over the fact. It was a 98-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball. That, that doesn't <laughs> yeah, feel good. Pitcher wanted to hurt him a little bit. But, you know, he's a grown man. Take your base. You know, he's standing on first base. Next batter, grounder to second. Make the turn. Jose Batista comes comes in a little recklessly, probably still a little angry about getting hit in the back. <laughs> which <laughs> that's is probably all that's going yeah. on in his head at that point. Um, second baseman, uh, what's his first name? You know, his, Odur. His, um, uh, his, his last name's Odur or Odur. I don't, I, I don't know. How, you, how do you pronounce it? But basically, felt like uh, Batista was coming in a little too hot. They. Both get up. Batista gets up. They have words, and within a matter of a couple seconds, Odor's throwing the meanest right hook I've ever seen on a baseball field. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that, you know, let's just give him the audio. Give him yeah. the audio of what we have. All right, here we go. Ground ball left side. Beltre picks to his left, throws to second for one, Ruggie to first, and Batista goes after him, and Ruggie pushes Batista, and they're in a fight at second base. Ruggie threw a couple of punches at Batista, and the dugouts have emptied. This is a real Donnybrook. This is not just players standing around. There's a big flesh pile out in short right field. Yeah. Uh, immediately after this, ex-Mariner Adrian Beltre comes in to save the day and grabs <laughs> Jose Batista, puts him in a mean bear hug. He's not yeah. going anywhere. Um, I don't know how to pronounce Odur's uh, <laughs> first name, uh, but... I mean, he basically told Bautista... You're going to learn today. Yep. <laughs> that simple. I mean, he chin-checked him. And actually, I want to segue this into what we... Because uh, we spent about an hour and, and, yeah. and a half researching yeah. fights. Probably a little bit too long. Yeah. yeah. Um, but w it's like you said, it was one of the meanest right hooks you'd ever seen live. Yeah. Um, so we actually started listing um, what we called the, quote... One timers, yeah, not full on fights, not a fight, but yeah. just you know the meanest one timers that have happened on either a court or a field. And this what qualifies is is it could be a punch, a kick, mm -hmm. a shove, a push. Yeah, um, we tried to keep hockey out of it just because it's a yeah. normal thing to be throwing <laughs> one timers. But um, Sean, you want to you want to lead us off? What, what what do you got? Well, and I'm gonna say this is. Uh, because we, we listed, actually, I mean, we had about 15 down that we liked. Um, <laughs> but this was the one that I just immediately went to. And uh, Pedro Martinez, yep. <laughs> a guy who's known to have a little bit of heat. 2003. Is, 2003 ALCS, uh, obviously very contested. It's the Yankees, Boston. Um, but hitting coach, I think he was the hitting coach yeah. or like third base coach, Don Zimmer, starts walking towards Pedro. Pedro just grabs his head and throws him down. Don Zimmer is 72. Yeah, he he might have needed a hip replacement after that. Yeah. 
It's um, game three. Martinez just grabs the 72-year-old Yankees bench coast by his head and throws him to the ground. Shouldn't have been so, standing there. No, but it was so ruthless. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to we're gonna be reading all of these. Make sure you tweet in to at the lounge 1380 and let us know which one's your favorite one. You know, we'll keep a toll. We'll keep a tally. And we'll see who's the winner at the end. My, one of my favorite ones, um, you know, I could watch this video a million times. It's post-game. I believe it was 2013. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Washington Redskins. Richard Sherman's doing his thing. You know, he's he he's walking on the field, giving everybody their good games and stuff like that. And this guy, Trent Richardson, I believe or he's Trent, an o- No, Trent Williams. Trent Williams. I'm sorry, t- Trent Williams. I believe he's an offensive lineman. Comes up to Sherman and... Uh, Here's With the helmet still on, not and and let, hang on, I want to set this stage too. Is that Sherman previously had just been standing on the Seahawks bench, waving yeah. at people, yeah. telling them to drive safely and buckle up on the way yeah. home. So get them buses ready. And this is Trent probably doesn't know what he's saying, but uh, if I see somebody standing on their bench waving to my fans, I can only imagine what he's saying. You know. Long story short, a few words are said. Sherman gets hit with another mean right hook. These one-timers are flying. Here's the audio. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, have a game, boy. Way to work out there. Hey, what boy. you gonna do, boy? I'm punching your. Hey, boy. do it then, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me one of those Kevin's again. Oh yeah, here we go, uh, Sherman. You gonna learn today? Yeah, it's, it's that simple. Just you got to know your place. You know. One, don't be standing waving, saying warm up the bus and everything like that. And two, if uh, he's got to be upwards of 380, uh, probably 6'5", Trent Williams walks up to you saying, I'm going to punch you in your face. Don't say, well, go on, Dan, do it, Dan, boy. And, yeah, and show him your cheek. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to punch you in the face then. My season just ended. Um, yep. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. Uh, I don't think we have the the uh, audio for this one, but the Eucalyptus kick. Oh yes, um, it's I a believe, great one. Uh, the ball gets thrown on the inside. Yeah, it's an inside pitch. Inside pitch. Kevin Eucalyptus takes some exception to it, and obviously felt that the catcher had a hand in that. Yep. Um, basically, just horse kicks the catcher <laughs> with his cleat, drops his bat, and then runs to the mound. Yep. One of like the just quickest turn of events i've ever seen in my well life. and then you know on, on his way to the mound i think he uh he kind of had some second thoughts he's running to, he's running to the pitcher gives one swing the the, the one timer's already happened you know sure, yeah. gives one swing misses and then kind of realizes that he's caught in the middle of the infield the surrounded infield, yeah. by the other team and he's just trotting around <laughs> yeah, waiting he's for some kind of frantically like trying to retrace his steps but it's too late yeah well yeah and everyone already just saw you just wreck the catcher for yeah. for no apparent reason yeah. you know what i mean it's it's game on after that um this one this next one right here everybody knows about it um there's a lot of hot takes on it whether he should have been kicked out whether um you know tom coughlin should have taken him out odell and Josh Norman going at it all game. And um, I, it, Norman was definitely getting the better out of him out sure. of this game. You know, I think he was winning the matchup. But there was a, a particular play where Odell's he, – he's 
going up to to Norman to try to hit him with a run block. It looks like Norman sheds him, throws him ten yards the other direction, yeah, and starts running towards the play. Odell thinks it's thinks it's a bright idea to tr- like literally try and kill him. It looked like. They speared him. He yeah. li- I've never seen it in my life before. And it was very controversial. Left um, his feet and led with his head. I mean, this is stuff you're seeing from like a free safety in like the late 80s. Like, And then doesn't get ejected. Shocking. I don't know. Shocking. It's very weird. But um, that was definitely one of the, uh, you know, people took it out of context. I think pe- some people went a little too far questioning Odell's overall character as a person which I don't think you can do to a bunch of grown men hitting each other on a football field. Sure. Like, you know, you, there's some leeway there. But this was pretty out of control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unprecedented. Just, yeah, a bit much. Like escalating way, way yeah. too far. But, hey, if we're talking about one-timers, great one-timer. Beautiful one-timer. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know what else rivals this. No. Well, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna come with one, and this is because it literally changed two careers. And uh, mm. you don't know what I'm talking about. It's the Kermit Washington punch on uh, Rudy Tomanovich. Yeah, that was. Um, where literally, uh, uh, I just don't even know how to say this, but basically, um, he needed multiple surgeries. He had uh, fluid in it, like he. Broke his face. Broke his face yeah. in every sense of the term. Like, yeah. um, well, in Kermit Washington, he was on like an outrage during this play. I I, I don't know what. Well, this was the one with. This it. is what. Ha- well, Kareem. It, it, it's a heated match, obviously, mm-hmm. and I believe that Kareem felt he got pushed. Um, and then basically, what happens is, is they're coming back down. There's a little scuffle at mid court. Yep. Washington's involved. Washington smacks somebody. Uh, yeah. Not before Tom Jonovich, he smacked somebody, and they're holding their face. Tom Jonovich thinks it's a good idea to go try and impose his will, and next thing you know, he can't breathe through his nose. And all Kermit said is, like, I saw somebody coming out of the corner of my eye, and um, Tomanovich actually had a reputation of being like a player, like all the players liked him. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? He was yeah. kind of like a glue guy type mm-hmm. thing. Of mm-hmm. just keeping well, cool. he ended up coaching, and he's really revered as like a player's coach. Yeah. You know? Well, so, won two titles with Clutch City. Not a guy that you typically see in an altercation like this, but no. great one-timer. Um, but <laughs> I just want to read something about this. Players involved say that right after Tomanovich collapsed, the absence of sound at the arena which was filled with shocked fans, was the loudest silence you had ever heard. Sheesh. Reporters heard the sound of the punch all the way in the second floor press box, oh and some rushed to the plane floor in disbelief. So Yeah, that'd be pretty scary, if you ask it's me. It's quoted the punch heard around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great one-timer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Never want people to break their face, but a great one-timer. What else do we have some audio of? Um, yeah, we got two audio. more. We got two audios. I, I wanna, I'll leave you uh, maybe the best one. But um, just because I want to talk about Meta World Peace, oh yeah, um, formerly known as Ron Artest, formerly known as the creator of the Malice in the Palace, um, had a beer thrown on him, and he he has a career of one timers. But yeah, well, the, what was that stat when we were watching the thing, and it was like leads all players, yeah, with the, like technical 10 fouls. flagrant fouls, yeah, or flagrant something. fouls. Yeah. 
this play um, is an NBA Sunday night game, Lakers OKC. I believe it was 2012. Um, Meta World Peace gets a steal on the open court. Going a little recklessly. You guys can already picture this. He's going a little recklessly yeah. towards the rim. Makes a nice move. Gets a dunk. Lefty dunk over KD. Lefty dunk over KD. Um, he's starting to run back on defense as in the middle of a celebration. It's 48-47. I think they just took the lead. James Harden's in the wrong place at the wrong time and um, gets hit with probably the greatest elbow one-timer yeah, uh, in yeah, the history yeah. of sports. You know, and Well, here's the thing for me is that Harden not only is standing there, but Meta, I guess if you want to just call him this, <laughs> Meta bumps into him first. Yes. So he yeah. knows he, he's he there. He can feel yeah. him there. Yeah, here's the audio. And third in the NBA in shot blocking. Artest drives and finishes. And the Laker crowd fired up. And a shot as Harden goes down. And Art, uh, World Peace elbowed him. Oh, no. Ron Artest so squaring off with Serge Ibaka. Well, World, World Peace, I should say, but it made reminiscent of Ron Artest. And I don't know if it was inadvertent or not, but he hit him with an incredible elbow to the head. Yep, shouldn't have been standing there, James. Well, and just what strikes me is Mike Breen uh, just going back to calling him Ron Artest. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That was like his first yeah. instinct. Well, a play like this, you can't. This can't happen, and then after refer to the guy as World Peace. Like yeah, it just no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't work. I should say formally, Ron Artest. <laughs> it's like World Terror, Meta World yeah. Terror. Yeah, there's nothing peaceful about the elbow. Yeah. All right. Um, Make sure you guys are tweeting in. Yeah, let us know. I mean, we we I can't even tell you how many videos we watched in about an hour period of just straight fights and just yeah. trying to pick the best ones. Uh, I'm gonna do this one. I know you have the audio over there. Uh, it's To yep. uh, just gets wrecked. Um, just to set the stage, he's uh, playing for the 49ers. Uh, he gets a, catches a touchdown pass and then decides to run all the way to the Dallas Star at the middle of the field and outstretch his arms like I'm here. Um, and then what, Emmett Smith, I believe, Smith. Uh, he scores a touchdown, and then he runs to the uh, Star, and he slaps the football down and like does yeah. the same thing. Little gamesmanship, I yeah, love you it. Know, and people are getting amped. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know is Tio gets his second TD of the game on a fade route and then proceeds to run to the Dallas Star, <laughs> and he slams the ball down. And while he's slamming it like Emmett mm -hmm. Smith, just gets checked yeah. onto the ground and yeah. then uh, uh, proceeds to stand on his feet and once again do his outstretched arms. I love it. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. Uh, Blitz on from the one, and they throw a fade right side of the end zone for Owens. He got both feet in. Touchdown catch over the shoulder. Here we go, here we go. Oh, oh they're going to have a big fight. There goes Owens. Puts there it down. Now Teague levels it. Here it goes. And now Teague here it is aimed at by an offensive lineman. Flozell Adams pulls Teague away. And <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love Rob Regal making a little uh a little uh, cameo in that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never splice that in or the uh video and the audio there did a brilliant job. You're not up in here. Uh we actually got a tweet from Brad Thomas. Uh he requested the Seahawks Steve Largen revenge hit. Ooh, on the Broncos. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Beautiful one-timer. Um 
that that's one you know i feel like that play right there embodies steve largent 100 percent. you know um I, I can't remember exactly what happened but um i i pulled up the youtube thing right now i'm gonna I'm going to listen to it and see as long as, you know what I mean, as long as we don't have any. He also said, uh, Brad Thomas, at Brad Thomas, Mike Tyson's street fight with Mitch Green. I'm not familiar with this one. I'm not either. I'm not familiar with this one. You want to break down the the Kobe one that we listed? The Kobe one. Kobe Chris Childs? Oh, wow. This one. uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so uh, early Laker years. Kobe Bryant playing the Knicks. They're they're running a typical like down screen play. Kobe felt like he got bumped a little bit. Chris Childs doesn't put up with it. You know, I I believe Kobe was 21 years old at the time. If you're an NBA veteran, you probably don't like Kobe very much. Uh, Kobe says they're jaw jacking back and forth for a second as the play's still going on. The refs haven't stopped it yet. Kobe, what seems to look like, throws a little elbow. It's like a tentative elbow, you know? And Chris Child says, no, sir. Yeah, I don't play that. Hits him with one on the right, two, the second one with his left hand. Just a couple. Th- this one is actually a double double whammy, a, du- a two-timer. <laughs> yeah, he gets the quick jab in. The first one actually hits Kobe, yeah, and the nice. second one is just kind of like kinda a little, grazed little, a little chin music. Yeah. Yeah. But I guarantee uh, Kobe had a difficult time chewing his steak that night. All right, hey, I was actually able to pull up the uh, Steve Largent hit, and uh, yeah, Brad, good job because this yeah, one is a beauty. Here is found the, that one. here is the audio from that. He just stood there and took a beating and didn't even get the penalty out. Bad job of officiating right there. No retaliation. Craig on third and one. Play intercepted by Harden. Oh, and Largent unloaded. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. Uh, forces a fumble and then recovers it himself. Yep. I believe that was the Denver Bronco who actually injured uh, yep. Largent's knee the year before. Beautiful. Um, so he definitely uh, yeah, just he, embodies Steve Largent in yeah, one right, play. Right. I'm there. just gonna say this: right when that pick happened, uh, Largent was gonna use whatever energy needed <laughs> to bring him down. Yeah. All right. Well, um, when we come back, we're actually gonna be visiting with uh, Brandon Gadula. Yep. He is the associate editor of numberfire.com. Uh very analytics guy, talks NFL, NBA. Uh we're going to be talking about the NBA just the postseason and get his take on that. So do not touch that dial. This is the lounge on Fox Sports 
good to great MLS defense will give up a goal a game. So they didn't lose because of the defense. They lost because Jordan Morris uh, headed the ball right at Chris Seitz. Yeah. Off of a beautiful cross. And Hercules Gomez decided to run almost as wide as he possibly could <laughs> on Eric Freeberg. I mean, what? That was like the sixth minute. And everything changes if, if Herc. Not, I mean, not even puts it away, but even if he just goes near post, Seitz isn't a great catcher of the ball. He would have had enough power sure. to that, you know, just create the chaos. Shoot on target, create chaos, and uh, Clint Dempsey can still poach. I mean, he's not he's not the MVP, Clint Dempsey, you know, MVP candidate Clint Dempsey anymore, but he can still poach a goal. So if Herc slams that in, you've got Clinton Jordan running behind him, and that changes, you know. Jovan Jones was in on, in the area early. It, it's disappointing because this is a team that, for so long, had such a great attack. Yeah. And now it's just not scoring. Well, and I, I just kind of want to point it at those chances. Is the Herc one? I think that was. Um, I can't remember if that was the one that was in the first minute, but we had a legit yeah. opportunity. Thirty-seven seconds in, you don't capitalize on that, or even you know. Um, and then two minutes later, it's like you said, you know, probably a warranted penalty call, pretty soft. But at the end of the day, I mean, Chad Marshall did pull him down, you know, as he took that touch. Um, and then the Joven Jones one was frustrating for me because it's like, why don't you square that ball across and, and just give somebody a tap in? Um, instead yeah, he, he, had, sorry. he had a lot of choices and uh, really didn't make any of them. And it was, uh, it, you want him to shoot powerfully or pass. I mean, he's he's a left back, so I'd probably prefer that he pass. And I don't know. It, it, it's it's just squandered opportunities are uh, kind of the name of name of this season. So I, I just want to go off that. Uh, the, the lack of, or these last couple of years, I mean, obviously with Oba um, playing pretty much as an MVP, uh, scoring hasn't been an issue, but, you know, now we're squandering these chances. Um, is that lack of finishing, is that maybe like, maybe a correlation of incorporating these young players, you know, like Jordan Morrison is, you know, the season opener just shanked one way over the bar, you know, didn't even hit the frame. And he's had a couple of those where, you know, I guess I attribute those to like growing pains, you know? Yeah. And Jordan's doing okay on this year. Well, he's doing well on the year. I mean, four goals for a rookie uh, about a third of the way into the season. It's a pretty good number. And, you know, that's, that's finishing with 12. You don't get double-digit scoring from rookies very often. It, it, it's more uh, Quinn Dempsey, Nelson Valdez, Hercules Gomez, Andres and Vonsitz. Those guys have to be scoring. And, uh, I mean, what, Quinn, I think, has two, working from my memory. Valdez has zero. Herc has zero. Vonsitz has one, I, I think it is, uh, off of a set piece. You know, those guys are veterans. They're they're supposed to be wily and savvy, and uh, two of them are designated players, and they're, they're not doing it. And, um, yeah, there are young guys playing too, but you, you don't expect Olaf Sanderson to be a difference maker or Aaron Kovar. Sure. Uh, Jordan Morris, you kind of do. Uh, but still, the, the attack is 50% dudes over 30, and the dudes over 30 are playing like dudes over 35. <laughs> that's true um and so i'm just kind of looking at this you know uh four road games uh three losses and a draw 
I'm going to go back to that youth thing, but I I think you just pointed out, you know, what would you, what is the biggest factor in these poor performances on the road? Um, I, I wish I knew that, that answer. Winning on the road is, is traditionally harder in MLS than is expected for a team, a soccer team of the caliber that they have. Uh, they, there's just more travel in MLS than other soccer leagues. It's a, it's a, I mean, we're used to it. We follow American sports all the time. It's like, yeah, you flew across the country this week. But if you look at, say, the Seattle Seahawks uh, up until basically only two years ago, right, uh, if they played on the road at 10 a.m., they lost. And it, it took them decades to figure out. You know, Mike Holmgren's an NFL-caliber coach, and he never figured out how to win on the road at 10 a.m. And we're running into a little bit of that. And I, I think some of what they have to look into is – maybe flying out a day earlier. They did that um, this week with Dallas, but maybe they need to start making that a tradition um, where rather than fly out the day before, they fly out two days before, so you have two nights there, get get a little bit more on that sleep schedule and get ready for the games. Get used to the heat and the weather like you get in Dallas and Houston. Um, but they need to look at, at changing up whatever their pattern is around road games. It has to change because – uh, this is this is unacceptable. Not sure. you know if you want to be a playoff team, you can't be this bad on the road. Yeah. Look at you know they get one more win and one more road win, and all of a sudden they look like a a decent team. They don't look good, but if you're at five wins right now in league play this early in the season, you're like they're okay. They can survive with only four and then five losses rather than draws you're starting to get worried, and, and justifiably so. If you're just joining us, we're with Dave Clark, Seattle Sounders blogger. Um, Dave, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, jumping ship, you know, but you mentioned the recent road woes. That could be attributed to young players or anything like that, but would you recommend maybe a coaching change midseason? Uh, if your goal is to make the playoffs this year, a coaching change isn't going to do it. It's uh well, the road woes are, might be something that's figure-related. Uh, he didn't have control over Robotomi Martins getting basically double his money um, to only play for nine months rather than two years. And and Siggy isn't the reason why Clint Dempsey is, is underperforming this year. Some of that is because he doesn't have an Obafemi Martins. And some of that's just because Clint's starting to age. He's on that downward cycle. It was to be expected. But... Uh, Adrian Hour, Garth Lagerway, Siggy Schmidt, they expected Clint Dempsey to be, you know, kind of the 1B. They've, uh, they've, they had Obafemi Martins as 1A. And if Clint Dempsey's 1B this year, things look a lot better. And, and so I'm not to the point where I'm blaming Siggy for anything, mainly because I don't think it fixes it. I did right before the season that if uh, essentially I'm at the point where if Siggy can't win the MLS Cup this year or maybe – multiple other trophies and at least make the MLS Cup, it, they have to look for a change. It's eight years, and uh, nobody gets that long. Uh, he's been good and very good, and in 2014 was great. But um, at some point, they're going to need a change, and if it's just another year of making a round or two of the playoffs, or if they miss the playoffs, they'll make the change. I have no doubt about that. But even if they don't, if they don't advance far in the playoffs, this is one of those years where they probably make a coaching change, despite being pretty good. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I want to echo that sentiment. Uh, my dad has season tickets, been to all the games in that uh, 2014 Western Conference Finals, uh, losing on a Juninho uh, rebound from a corner through traffic. Uh, that one definitely stung quite a bit. <laughs> Um, but just, I, I kind of want to echo, echo this th- from what I heard you, you know, it's, I mean, obviously the Sounders losing an MVP and Martins, I mean, it's irreplaceable. I mean, just, you, you can't do it. So they obviously are going to need to change their identity. Um, do you think so? Um, I mean, is this going to be a, a, a one or two goal ball club that's just got to hold on to that lead? Um, cause I mean, obviously creating the scoring chances isn't a problem. The lack of finishing is. Um, but where do you see the, you know what I mean? What, where does the shift in their identity need to happen? Yeah. Yeah. For, for the near future, probably, uh, I, I think it's about seven weeks. If I did my math correctly, they're going to have to be a team that knows that they, if they win, it'll be by one goal, either a, a one nil or a two, one kind of game. They're not going to have any blowouts. They're not going to run up the score. Um, you know, they might get a one, one draw or a two, two draw once in a while. They've got the defense that can do that. They can be patient and wait for the proper opportunity, hopefully net a goal once in a while, and they'll be okay. I mean, this is only the second time they've been shut out this season. So they're okay with getting a goal. Um, And they have the defense that can win games that way. But that's kind of treading water, and they do that for seven more weeks, and then they can add talent. They have the room to add another designated player and another player that's of – the same quality as a uh, as Valdo Alonso or Ramon Torres, who um, of Roman Torres, sorry, who is about to come back. They've got what's called uh, targeted allocation money to get that that quality of a player. So if you get Torres back, all of a sudden Brad Evans is probably the right back. Um, if Torres comes back at, at his kind of peak capability. And then you add a player of Torres's quality or Osvaldo Alonso's quality, and then you add a player of Clint Dempsey's quality. Things should improve. The only question is, other teams are going to improve as well, and um, will Seattle be able to tread water so that they can make a uh, second half surge? So actually, that's a great segue because the uh, I believe the MLS uh, transfer window just closed. Um, so my question was, Is did you hear any buzz? Was there any possible designated player signings uh, before that transfer window closed? Do you, were they, you know, obviously they're looking for somebody, but were there any serious contenders? Yeah, there were two serious, kind of serious contenders. Uh, one of them would have been a major designated player, only at the age of 18, Jason Vargas, um, not the Major League Baseball pitcher, but a different Jason Vargas. Uh, 18-year-old Chilean kind of withdrawn forward. He has basically the same skill set that Freddie Montero had, except he's fast. So think everything that Freddie does, good passer, great striker from distance, good around goal, and fast at at 18 years old. The problem with him, and they haven't sold him yet, he's from, uh, both players are going to be from the same team. It's basically a Catholic University down in Chile. I'm not going to try to say it in Spanish, but Universidad <laughs> Catolica. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the problem is this uh, Vargas kid is also wanted by Anderlicht, Udinese, Galatasaray, and BVB Dortmund. Um, Seattle can outbid an Anderlicht or an Udinese. They can't outbid Galatasaray in Turkey. They're basically Turkey's biggest spender. 
and Dortmund is Germany's second biggest spender. So they they identified the right target, and unfortunately, teams with bigger budgets probably identified the same target. It's likely they lost out on Vargas. Now, he hasn't transferred yet, so they might be able to get him now that the season's over. He's actually going to be in the Copa America squad for Chile, and he's somebody that you might want to watch uh, when Copa America comes here over the summer. Awesome. The other kid. Oh, sorry, is, continue. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, the other kid is David Lanos uh, with a double L from the same team. He's 19. He's more of a winger, um, a little less refined. He'd actually be kind of a player that they would get with that targeted allocation money rather than um, rather than a DP talent, and that's just because he, he doesn't have as many starts. He doesn't have the interest from international clubs. And the word is, out of Chile, the word we heard was that he was expected to sign with MLS in in May. That did come to fruition. Uh, we know that Seattle has scouted him. Both, uh, both Chris Henderson, who is the sporting director, and Kurt Schmidt, who is the head of scouting, um, the, that's basically number two and number three in kind of the scouting organization. They both saw um, uh, Universidad uh, Catalica. And uh, I expect them to get a guy like Lano, um, probably fall short on Vargas. But those are two talents that would make a difference. When you talk about lack of finishing, you get a 19-year-old Chilean player who's on the fringes of the Chilean national team. That's a, uh, that's a good kid to get. Um, if they could get Vargas, that would be a huge guy to get. Now, they'd probably only keep him for three or four years, but I kind of like what Freddie Montero did. And if we can regularly get an under t- a South American under the age of 25 that's putting up uh, 10 to 15 goals a year with 8 to 10 assists a year, that's going to be a, a, a huge addition. So that's hopefully the type of player that they're looking at. They were close on one or both of them, and they didn't get it done now. They could get one of them later, though. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty nice. Um, coming off the tough loss against FC Dallas, what are you looking for um, in the upcoming match against Colorado? Well, Colorado is the uh, the only game really where the Sounders looked off. Um, they had a they had a late surge that basically ended due to a horrible offside call that made that game end three one. They know exactly what Colorado is able to do. Colorado is a team that grinds out wins. They don't normally blow a team out like they did. Uh, Colorado uses Jermaine Jones as uh, he's the American defensive midfielder, but they're using him as an attacking midfielder, which applies pressure up the field. Seattle's going to need to go around um, Jones, and they need to get Clint Dempsey and Jordan Morris touches in the area. Jordan only had 32 touches against Dallas, and that was only something like 4.5% of the team's touches. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, to use NFL phrases, it's like if you have your star wide receiver, but you only pass him three times in the game. Um, he got kind of shut down. They need to increase the amount of times that Jordan's on the ball, particularly in, the, in that penalty area in the 18-yard box. You need to do the same with Clint Dempsey, because if, if those two get touches in the area, they're going to score goals. Um, that starts with going around Jermaine Jones, and it continues without going into a uh, – a crossing game where the uh, the fullbacks and the wingers are just lobbing it in because Colorado is probably the only team with a better air defense than the Sounders. Wow. Um, all right, my last question for you is 
So Nelson Valdez uh, obviously started out injured, um, and he's coming back slowly. Uh, as a person, though, who watched Obafemi Martins um, miss significant time as a DP, um, and Nelson Valdez, you know, he's 32, um, and he's already kind of been hurt. And is he going to get to full health anytime soon? Um, you know what I mean? Are you, are, is he going to ever get to that 70-plus minute mark for the Sounders? Because... I'm just starting to see a lot of correlations between, you know, this and and Oba missing a lot of time. And more intriguing is uh, Valdez was actually healthy the last game, but was a healthy scratch <laughs> wow. and did not start. And so that's uh, that's not what you want from a designated player. Um, Siggy was playing a hot hand. Uh, her, until this game, Hercules Gomez had three starts, and they had uh, two wins. Tovar, until this game, had four, four starts where they had three wins and a draw. Um, and Nelson Valdez had started and wasn't getting it done. He does everything that you want from a forward, as a, a, a designated player forward even. Absolutely everything is DP quality except for finishing. Right now, the Sounders need a finisher, and they don't need a DP occupying that slot that's not finishing. So there will be times when we see a healthy Nelson Valdez as a late sub rather than a starter, and it's because he's underperforming his contract. Uh, it's it's frustrating because the team the team is essentially operating with one-and-a-half DPs right now. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, Dave, you want to just tell our listeners how they can get in touch with your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You go to sounderatheart.com. That's the website. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash sounderatheart. The Twitter handle is at sounderatheart. That's for everything that's soccer-related. If you just like me and things that I talk about that aren't necessarily soccer-related, it's at better than. That's B-E-D-I-R-T-H-A-N. And we uh, I mean, we, we write a lot. We've got a huge staff because uh, – we're all a bunch of passionate um, amateurs, semi-pros. We're writing four to seven stories a day, all related to the Sounders, Seattle Reign, U.S. national team. Basically, if you love soccer in the Pacific Northwest, we'll have something for you. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much for coming on with us, Dave. We hope to have you again sometime soon. My pleasure. It was a, it was a blast. I'm here anytime. Awesome. So once again, that is Dave Clark, Sounder at Heart. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are actually going to be uh, looking at the Mariners in review. Review last week and previewing the upcoming week. Got to love them. Against the, uh, what, they got the Orioles. And got then Baltimore. 23-13 the, and, and Baltimore Orioles. They're hot right now. Uh, and then I believe they have the Cleveland Indians later, or Cincinnati Reds. Sorry, Cincinnati yep. later in the week. So we are going to take a short break. Do not touch that dial. This is The Lounge on Fox Sports 1380. 